Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters Podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. And that is our standard reading that we start every podcast off with. But today is not a standard recording. Um, To explain to those listening to the podcast and not here in person, we are recording this live in front of the women who come on Wednesday mornings to Lamplighters. Um, because they have, we've had so many questions about what is it that y'all do? We want to see, is there any way we can see? And there's no way all these women can go out to the studio. So we brought our studio here. Exactly. Um, and and if you're not here, um, for all of you who know people who are not here, just tell them it's going to be posted today. So they'll be able to hear it today. Yeah. And a general disclaimer, since we have never done this before, um, if you hear background noise, it's not us. Um, if you hear phones, it's not us. If we mess up, it's because we got distracted by our friends out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are no rules for you guys here in FE 200 except to try to be as quiet as you can be and turn your phones off. So when Jan and I started recording these podcasts, we agreed right from the start, that it was a one-take thing. Because we knew that if we could say, oh, wait, wait, that's not what I wanted to say. Let's start over. We would never get a podcast done. So um, this is how we do it. We, we clap, we start, we run through, we clap, we turn it over to my son, and it's out. So we trust that the Holy Spirit is there the whole way along, making sure that we're saying what he wants us to say. Exactly. And needless to say, we've really kind of grown in trust of each other and of the Holy Spirit. And when this idea came to us, actually was insisted upon, uh, we thought, what the heck? This will just be something new. So y'all are getting to participate in something new. Okay. So I'll start. Go for it. All right. Lesson one, the two paths is what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have a favorite spot as a kid? Now, I know you had a lot of brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and you may not have had much room for a favorite spot, but was there someplace that was just yours, where you went to spend time alone? You know, I really don't remember having a place that I was ever alone. Um, I, ha- I did have so many siblings, and we were all together all the time. We were best friends, and I don't remember ever even wanting to be alone until I got older. So I can't say that I had a favorite place. Okay, well, I ha- you know I have too. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up in West Texas, which is a hot, dry climate, um, we didn't have very many trees in West Texas. And so my entire family had this fascination with trees. In fact, when we went on vacation, that was one of the entertainments is that we would drive around and look at trees. <laughs> and then we would go to Baskin Robbins for ice cream. Okay. So my mother planted lots of trees and she cared for them tenderly. She watered them during the drought. She nurtured them. She made sure they were fed and trimmed and all of that kind of thing. She constantly on guard for these precious trees. So I adopted two of them as mine. They were my trees. One was a huge pine tree in the backyard. And I could climb all the way to the top. And there was a configuration of branches that was like a chair up there. It even had arms. And I could sit in that and look out and see Twin Peaks, which is these mountains in Alpine. And I knew the ranch was just right on the other side. The, the added benefit of that tree was that my brothers couldn't climb that high. <laughs> so I was hiding from my brothers up there. Okay, the second one, though, was tucked behind our garage, and it was a willow. Now, willows require lots of water. Mm-hmm. And I think this one 
had tapped down into the aquifer that fed our water well for our house because it grew and it grew and it grew. And it had these wonderful branches that just arched over into this incredible, wonderful, cool, leafy cave. I I crawled in there all the time to be sheltered from the heat and from the sun, smelling the damp earth, green leaves encircled by those waving arms. It was a very, very special place for me. And I spent hours under that tree, just playing and imagining and later reading. It fed my childhood soul Mm -hmm. in a way nothing else did. Mm. I love the imagination of a child. And even though I didn't have a favorite place, I did. I too had a favorite tree. There was a big magnolia in our front yard. And I can remember probably three or four feet off the ground, there was a little knot hole. And I would go up and I would peer in and I would pretend like it was the door into an owl's house. And it even had this little nub on the inside that I was the doorbell. So I would pretend like I would ring the doorbell and I would have this pet owl. So I love that's my tree story. I love that. I would have, but I would have thought that was a fairy home. Yeah. Well, yeah. This was way back. I didn't know about fairies. It's great. Um, but I'm assuming you're not just telling us this for entertainment. No. Okay. We'll come back to it later because right. it is important. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to turn our eyes to lesson one. As you noted last week, Lynn, Psalms 1 and 2 are the gateway to the rest of the Psalms. So mm-hmm. taken together, they tell us what the Psalms are about. Um, the, the first one is God's instruction to individuals about how to live um, the life that is pleasing to Him. Mm-hmm. Psalm 2 is addressed to the people of God, and it reminds the people of God that we're created not just for God, but for others. Mm-hmm. In other words, we are not a lone ranger faith. We belong to a community just like the Hebrews did, and we are part of the people of God. So we're going to start on Psalm 2 and work backward. Okay. Okay. Um, psalm 2 is n- noted as a royal psalm. Mm-hmm. It is a reminder that God created David and his descendants to be kings in order for Israel to fulfill its original purpose that came out of the call to Abraham. Okay. And the purpose was to be blessed by God, to be a blessing to all nations of the world. Mm-hmm. So we are blessed to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing to remember. Um. Psalm 2 also points to the future king. To It foreshadows the Messiah, the one that is going to come and fulfill all of the promises, mm-hmm. ultimately, that God had made. So it just reminds us that we need to sing and read these psalms with this big picture in mind, mm-hmm. that we are the people of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. He will rule and reign over all nations and all people, and He will come again. And so reading the Psalms, if you read them with a Christian filter, you can find uh, Jesus in all of them, mm-hmm. not, not just the royal Psalms. So the Psalms, remember, were the Hebrews hymn book, prayer book, song book, worship aid, okay? So imagine as you're reading these Psalms out loud, <laughs> another hint, um, imagine Jesus saying these very words. Yeah. Of course, he was speaking in Hebrew and we're speaking in English. Right. But it kind of gives you a different perspective because you immerse yourself in what Jesus was actually praying and singing mm-hmm. at the time. And we'll come back to that uh, later. He knew them all by heart yeah. because he, he prayed them and sang them every time he worshiped. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I um, I like this summary of Psalm 2, that it's communal. And I especially like this reminder to look for Jesus, because we need to be doing that throughout the Psalms this entire year. Yeah. Um, because it's there in all of them. And and the more you read the Psalms, the more you'll hear Jesus speaking through them from studying the New Testament. So that's a right. great reminder. So since uh, you went into depth in Psalm 2, what are you going to do about Psalm Oh, we're one? actually going to go back to Psalm 1, which is really in our lesson this week, okay? It's a psalm of contrasts. And it begins, and this is important to remember throughout our study, the first word is blessed. Mm-hmm. Blessing is a theme that runs throughout the Psalms, and here it is tied to one of two contrasting ways of living, okay? The choice is either or. It's not both and. That's why I wore black and white today. It's either or. I always love to illustrate, (laughs) you know, how I am. But that either or choice has always been a choice among God's people. It's a pattern that God established for them early on. Um, If anybody went back and read Genesis 1, 2, and maybe 3, uh, Adam and Eve had a choice. They chose poorly, Mm -hmm. and we have been living with that choice ever since. Moses, when he spoke to the Israelites before they entered the Promised Land, said, I set before you life and prosperity or death and destruction. That's in Deuteronomy 30. And then Joshua even said that famous quote that a lot of us know, Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you think about that in Old Testament terms, but even Jesus gave us that same choice. He used that same pattern when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except by me. Mm -hmm. And John uh, recorded that for us in his gospel. So the contrast couldn't be more stark. The truly blessed person lives his or her life according to God's instruction. Mm-hmm. Here in the Psalms, it's called law, Torah, mm-hmm. but it's God's teaching to his people, right? <coughs> Sorry. Um, there are others who dismiss God's teaching mm-hmm. and his instructions, and they refuse to live according to how he has taught us to live, right? Their values are different because their sources of the values are different. One is God's word, mm-hmm. and the other one is the world's way. Yeah. Okay? So the godly person is following this path where he refuses to follow the moral orientation, for lack of a better word, of those people who are doing their own thing. So not only are these two paths contrasted in this psalm, But the psalmist drives it home by using these agricultural similes that have to do with fruitfulness that everybody back then would recognize. Mm -hmm. The first one is the tree. Uh, The tree that has a constant supply of water whose whose roots are rooted deeply, that tree will prosper. In other words, it will bear fruit at the right time. Maybe not all the time, Mm -hmm. but at God's perfect timing, it will bear fruit. And remember, a tree doesn't bear fruit for itself. It bears fruit for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, those who live for themselves and they ignore God's word are like chaff. Chaff is that outer husk of wheat that's really papery and thin uh, that comes off before the useful wheat yeah, can be ground into flour. 
it's so insubstantial that the wind will blow it away. Mm. It's useless. It benefits no one. There is no fruit, and it doesn't last. So two paths, Mm -hmm. two ways of living, two contrasting outcomes of each life. The psalm shows where these two lives are headed. Okay, both will face God's judgment, but the results are different. One is going to be with God for eternity, and one will be without God for eternity. Mm. So um, we do always have to make choices. Yes. On, daily, we're making choices. And what we're basing those choices on determines the path that we're on. Exactly. That's the reminder that you're giving us here. Mm-hmm. Now, you ended with a word that always makes me a little squirmy, and that's judgment. Um, it's a real hot-button word these days. Yeah. And, you know, we know that only God should judge, but who among us is not constantly judging? Even if we're not doing it out loud, we're doing it in our head. Mm-hmm. And we know that God is the final judge, and He will judge us. But still this judgment just, it just feels, this feels heavy to me. I don't really know what to do with this. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to run into God's judgment throughout the Psalms. Okay. Okay? So we're going to cover it more later, but uh, for right now, I just want you to remember a couple of things, probably three. All Mm -hmm. right. The first one is, and this is the hardest for me, what the psalmist means by judgment may not be what we mean by judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, as post-crucifixion people, we tend to think of judgment in terms of condemnation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We're guilty before God because everybody has sinned. There's a criminal trial in which we're going to be convicted, right, Mm -hmm. and condemned. But Jesus steps in, and he takes God's judgment on himself uh, for us, okay? So we, we think of judgment in terms of condemnation and a criminal trial. But the Old Testament thought of judgment in terms of getting justice, either for oneself or for one's God's people, Mm -hmm. right? It was like a civil proceeding, if you want to think of it that way. And so they are persistent in wanting justice and for God to provide it. It doesn't necessarily mean condemnation. So that's the first thing to remember, and that's a hard one for me to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, the thing for us to remember is that God always judges rightly. Whether it's criminal or civil or however you think about it, He asks us to be discerning, of course, to be wise in the decisions we make um, and the actions we take. He asks us to choose to follow the path that he has pointed out to us. You know, Jesus is the way. We are to follow Christ. But ultimately, ultimate judgment belongs only to him. Mm. We don't, that's not our job. It's above our pay grade, (laughs) right? Jesus is the way. Only God truly knows. Mm -hmm. So that is comforting to me in a way. Mm-hmm. It, he says, this is not your job. So don't try to do a job that's not yours. Yeah. It would be like me fiddling with the recording right. instead of Shannon. Um, and then finally, it's, I'm going to go back to what I started with. Okay. is it, Plant this in your heart. The Psalms begin blessed, mm. blessed. That's the purpose of God's word is to bless us. That's a gift of grace It's nothing we have to earn or can earn. Uh, God's word is not condemning of us. It may be convicting, Mm -hmm. but it is not condemning. And that's kind of 
All right. So let me give you an example. We've all given instructions to our children, right? Mm -hmm. You know, be kind, tell the truth, don't run out in the street, ask for help when you need it. I bet you have too. Of course I have. My children are adults with their own children, and I'm still telling them what to do. <laughs> but it's because You're still I, trying to tell them what to do. It's because I want what's best for them. Exactly. That's the point. The point is to bless them. You right. know, do they earn our love by following our instructions? No, no, of course not. Do they make life easier for themselves by doing so? Yes, they do. <laughs> it's the same with God's Word. He teaches us how to relate to Him and how to relate to each other. But His love is a given. Yeah. We don't we don't we can't trade that away. Mm-hmm. It's a given. Mm-hmm. So, how do we live the life he asks us to? How do we stay on that path? How indeed. The key, I think it's in verse 2. Delight in the law of the Lord. We don't we don't think in terms of delighting in the law much. But basically it means delight in God's word. Delight in God's word. Um meditate on it. Think deeply about it. Absorb it. Put it into practice. God's instructions are not a heavy burden. It can seem like that at times, yeah, yeah. But, they're, but they're not really. Okay. So let's take a look at Psalm 119. The entire psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible, by the way, and I think not by accident. Mm-hmm. It celebrates the good gift of God's covenant instruction to his people, right? It's the perfect guide for life. The goal is for God's people to admire his word so strongly that they will work and pray hard to have it shape their character and transform their lives, all right? The description of God's law in this psalm is a description of God. It's his character and his attributes. And since Jesus is the word of God, Mm -hmm, you know, the word mm -hmm. became flesh and dwelt among us, Psalm 119 is a description of him, too. So you can even just put his name in all of those words for God's law uh-huh. and read it that way if you want to. It's, it's very, very enlightening. Um, the psalm as a whole reflects a God who loves his people without limit. And therefore, it's a guide mm-hmm. into the way of life that's genuinely good and beautiful and what he wants for us, how he wants to bless us with that life. I found this quote by C.S. Lewis, and I love it. He says, this Psalm 119 speaks the language of one ravished with moral beauty. Mm. In other words, when you look at Jesus through the lens of Psalm 119, you can't help but just love him more and more and yeah. more. It's, it's just incredible. And what it teaches us is that God's covenant instructions are not to be feared, Mm. but they are to be embraced because life with God, according to the way he taught, Mm -hmm. is beautiful and good. It's life abundant. It's the very thing that Jesus came to give us, Mm -hmm. life overflowing. So when you go through Psalm 119, notice how many words are used to describe God's law. All right? Commandments, testimonies. Precepts, rules, word, words, whatever. You can substitute Jesus for any of those. But notice also what results are attached to obedience of those words. Love, wisdom, understanding, teaching, the true way, light for the path, life. The psalmist says in verse 103, God's words are sweet to the taste. They're sweeter than honey. They're things we can 
crave mm. and that nourish us. That's the God we worship, and that's the life He offers us. And it's a beautiful life. I want to do that. I haven't done that by inserting the it's name amazing. Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Um, so it, it really is a blessing. He not only gives us life, He gives us the instructions on how to live it. And not just live it, but flourish in that mm-hmm. life. Exactly. And we have access to that 24-7. It's always there for us to mm-hmm. just pick up and read and know what it is that He wants us to do. All we have to do is turn to Him and to His Word, and then the blessings are there for us. Exactly. Exactly. What else? Well, we got to go back to the tree, right? Of course. Yes. Okay. Um, this stuck with me because the image in Psalm 1, okay, which made me think about the trees in my life. And Little did I realize until very recently that my time under the willow was shaping me to respond to the Psalms. I know that sounds weird, okay? I couldn't even put that into words until I started thinking about Psalm 1, and I read Tim Keller recently. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to borrow three words from him that you can call them lessons from the willow tree or whatever you want to— Okay, but here's the first word, adore. Adore. The willow taught me to appreciate on a deep level the intricate details of the created world. N- not, not just that tree, but all trees. Mm-hmm. And to adore the one whose imagination could just create that yeah. and, and everything else. It was just amazing to me. And my little heart, I think, praised God for that, even though I didn't know the word at the time. Mm-hmm. So the willow taught me to adore God. That's the first word. Okay. Second word is to admit. Okay. There was something so vast about my childhood thoughts about God that they right-sized me. I didn't learn that term until later, but they Mm -hmm. put me in the right position. And part of being right-sized was to realize that I was not entirely innocent hiding under that tree (laughs) from my brothers, right? Right. Um, I had a bad attitude frequently toward them, and being under the tree, I instinctively knew, and this was kind of a Holy Spirit moment for me, really, um, that my attitude toward them really wasn't what God wanted, and that I needed to work on that, even though I felt like I was still in the sheltering embrace of the love of God, right? So having that repentant heart mean means I came out a better sister than when I went in. I have brothers. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, and sisters too, I think, probably. But anyway, I didn't have sisters. So admitting, Mm -hmm. admitting was the second word. The third word is aspire. Now, this is weird, but that tree taught me there are many things about life that I could experience, that I could ask for, and that I could act on. One was how to be flexible mm-hmm. because the tree was totally flexible. Yeah. It was wonderful. How to respond to the Holy Spirit. The slightest breath moved that tree. It was fabulous. How to create a safe space. Mm. Um, what else did I learn? The value of quiet time and retreating from the world for mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. The value of being tapped into a never-ending supply of water. You know, Christ is the living water. And, that, and I learned that lesson first underneath that tree. But when I was thinking about it, I think finally the lesson, and you're just going to die when I tell you this, the final lesson I learned was be who you are. <laughs> and, and I was a little kid. I couldn't even, I could not even articulate that, right? Mm-hmm. But what I knew instinctively was the willow tree wasn't trying to be a pine. 
Okay. And the I pine wasn't trying to be a willow. Mm-hmm. They had separate functions. They they had separate jobs in my life. And both of them were wonderful. Okay. I discovered underneath that tree that there was joy and freedom about just being the person God made me to be and not trying to be someone else. Mm. You know, we we spend so much of our time creating an alternate image yeah. and, and hiding and not being transparent mm-hmm. as adults. And I go back to the willow to realize that you can be yourself, who you are as God created you to be, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it is a beautiful the thing. Yeah. If, if you see me on the patio doing this, you can say she's just being a willow today. Well, I hope I'm there to see that. Y'all better come get me if you see her doing it. I want to see it. Um, Somebody film me on their phone. Yeah. What, what I love about this story that you're telling mm. is that there's always something to be found in communicating with our creator mm-hmm. and staying in communication with our creator. And the fact is we're getting communication from him all the time, but we cannot absorb all everything at once that he gives us. Mm -hmm. But if we stay in communication, we will learn. Like you said, as a child, you didn't know what any of that meant. Exactly. But now all these years later, because you've been in the Word that whole time, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's what I was supposed to learn from this. So when we stay in that constant contact, we just have these, um, you know, the light bulb comes on at different moments and we understand what it is that that God is teaching us. Exactly. When I read Psalm 1 for the first time, uh-huh. I remember reading it for the first time because yeah. of the tree. Yeah. And I just thought, that is what I want to be. I want to be that willow tree. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing to be. And that was years later. Yeah. Yeah. But living the way He wants us to live is the only way we're ever going to flourish. Exactly. Exactly. So is there something you want to leave our friends with today? Yes, two things. Okay. One is for everyone to think about the space where you feel closest to God, Mm. the the thin place in your life. Okay. Underneath the willow was clearly a thin place for me, even though I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So where is the space you feel closest to God? And the other one is what is inspiring awe in you today? What is inspiring awe in you today? Both of those are about paying attention. Yeah. yeah. And and maybe you need to admit so you can experience the awe. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, until next time. <laughs>